0: We need to talk about ideas, good ones and bad ones. We need to learn stuff about the world. We need an honest, intelligent, thought-provoking and entertaining review of what the hell happened on this planet in the last seven days. We need to sit back and listen to the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Welcome back, dear listener. We are up to episode 108 of the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove Returning from a small break, the original <laughs> in the vest, the Velvet Glove himself. <laughs> Scott, how are you? I'm really well, thanks, Trevor. How's yourself? I'm I'm good. Ah, Once again, heaps to talk about, Scott. I've got a list here a mile long. We'll be lucky if we get it's, through half of it.
1: I don't think we'll get through any of it. Well, we won't get through half of it, will we? Anyway, mm. we'll have to leave a lot of it over for next week. Mm. Um, we'll, but well, unless we do a special Sunday Broadcast or something like that, but
0: anyway. <laughs> Dear listener, uh, we're well and truly warmed up here because we've just spent an hour with our patrons in our Google uh, Hangout, which was great. So It was about, great, yes. had about uh, five of them and um, we had a chat about all different stuff and it was great to meet them over the video. And um, So, yeah, we'll do that um, once a month or something like that and um, that was good. That was good fun to do. It was, it was good, yeah.
1: It was really good fun.
0: Scott. Anything happening in the federal parliament in the last few days that listeners ah. should be aware of? <laughs> you want to you give a, 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 a rundown God's of where sake. we're up to?
1: Okay. I was a little bit cranky with Labor when they initially blocked the plebiscite. Not that I thought the plebiscite was a great idea or anything like that. It's not. It's offensive that you've got to go cap in hand and ask the majority for your civil rights. However, we had a, an election the Liberal Party won, so that was their policy and that sort of stuff. They had every right to pursue it through the Federal Parliament. When it got blocked by the Federal Parliament, they should have walked away from and gone to have a conscience vote. They haven't done that. And on Monday afternoon, after they were backed into a corner, when Dean Smith, the WA senator, said he had a private member's bill and he was going to introduce it, and then five uh, Liberals No, four Liberals from the House of Representatives came out and said they'd be prepared to cross the floor to suspend the standing orders, which would have led to a conscience vote on the issue. That's when Turnbull then panicked and he called a party room meeting of the Liberal Party for Monday afternoon to thrash out a way forward. And they have gone from bad to worse and they have endorsed that bloody idiot idea of a postal plebiscite, which no doubt will be prosecuted over in the high court and that sort of stuff. I don't know what the outcome of that prosecution will be, but it's looking increasingly likely that that'll be knocked on the head. So they're going to be back to square one before too long anyway. I don't understand why the hell they are running from a conscience vote. It makes absolutely no sense to me why they'd be running from it. You'd think that they'd just want to get this thing dealt with and and brushed aside. I mean, even Tony Abbott has privately conceded to people that uh, it's going to happen but he doesn't want it to happen, but it's going to happen. And it's absolutely ridiculous that you've got one of those biggest proponents of the traditional form of marriage um, backing, not backing down on it, but doubling down on it. And really the post-appleticite's got his and Lyle Shelton's fingerprints all over it. It's a...
0: When you say his and Lyle Shelton, who do you, who do you mean uh, by his? Oh, Tony Abbott's, yeah. Oh, right. I, I think yeah. it's got actually Peter Dutton and Matthias Cormann's.
1: Oh, yeah, it's, Peter Dutton and Matthias Corman are the ones that came up with the idea, but it's been, it's been jumped on by Tony Abbott and Lyle Shelton's backing it and that sort of stuff because the ACL knows oh. that we're all disorganised on our side of the argument, but on their side of the argument they've got... One barrow to push, and they 've got one membership list to engage, and that 's what they 've got to do and a postal plebiscite that is voluntary, I doubt you'll get fifty percent turnout from it and this this um, is a
0: lost opportunity for Turnbull I mean he's got a right- wing religious rabble on his in his books there, and mm. he should have called them. Called their bluff. Oh, I
1: think so. I think so, too. You know, I mean, I I really think he should have called their bluff on it and said, look, this is what we're going to do. If the religious right want to say something, go for it. You can leave. You can go over and join Cory Bernardi with the Australian Conservatives if you wish. Yep. And then they, he could have had – he would have then had to fight on two fronts. He would have had to fight the ALP plus the Conservatives. But I think he would have got a hell of a lot of street cred if he'd turned around and said, right, I'm going to turn the guns on to my own team, you know? It would
0: have been an ideal opportunity to say to these religious nutters, uh, this is what we're going to do. Uh, If you really feel that strongly and you're going to leave the party and join Corey Bernardi, don't want you to, but if you're going to do it, go and Mm. vote against the bill. And, oh, by the way, uh, when pre-selection comes up, you obviously, uh, you'll be fighting for your seat under the Corey Bernardi banner. Good luck to you. Um, Exactly. You won't get returned. We'll be putting in somebody else as the Liberal Party candidate and you'll be out on your ear. And in the Hmm. meantime, any vote that he wants to pass for tax cuts for companies or any of the other right wing things that he wants to do, he'll get their vote anyway. It was a exactly. it was a chance to clear some of this rabble out on a on a on an issue where the public is going to be behind him and instead of using it as a wedge into this group and prizing them out, he's just he's just he's just turned around, he's he bent over and he's it dropped it. his pants and let mm-hmm. them have their way. Like well, just poor tactics, like just at It some was point, poor
1: tactics. It really was. At some
0: point, it when really you, was. Very, when you've got a bit of power and position, you have to be prepared to exercise it. That's what it's for. Yeah,
1: and I think that I think that's what he hasn't done is he hasn't exercised that power that he's got with his position. And you know, it, there's only been one. I mean, there, there was a show of hands at the party room meeting, and only one extra, only one extra person voted for a conscience vote. I mean, I, I can't fathom why the hell the rest of the party wanted to go down this suicide route with them you know? <laughs> it just didn't make any sense you know mm. Mm. it's really 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 maddening actually it's mm. um
0: be interesting to see the opinion polls because um you know i, I, I think know just with
1: people I, I think he'll get done now i mean like i I I said at the time that when he was first elected and that sort of stuff, I thought to myself, he's got at least another term ahead of him and that sort of thing. But no, I I don't think that the coalition government will survive at the next election.
0: I think they are going to go. People Mm. who don't take an interest in politics generally um, on this particular issue are going, what the hell is going on here? Why are we wasting or trying to waste $122 million on on a decision that so many other advanced countries in the world have made like young people are going... The United
1: what's... States has gone ahead of us mm. on this and that is what is really embarrassing is that you've got the Bible belt over there, you know, they've just swallowed it and, you know, even though Trump and that sort of stuff is probably wouldn't mind repealing it, he knows he can't, so it's it's over, you know, it's... Mm. We- it's really very embarrassing to be... It really is very embarrassing to be an Australian right now.
0: <laughs> I mean, the so-called rationale for the postal vote is so that everybody can have their say and that, yeah. that public opinion can be gauged. When anybody with any expertise in, in gauging public opinion would tell you that you're going to have far more accuracy from from just a normal galaxy, news poll, essential report poll, any of those are going to give you a, a proper uh, analysis of what people think within, within a standard deviation or a range of error that is, is easily assessed. Even,
1: even with that, you know, you've had poll after poll after poll coming back 65 70% in the support of marriage equality. Even if you said, right, we're going to we're going to get this opinion poll and we're going to make them survey fifty thousand people, you know that's fifty times what you normally survey. Mm. And if you got fifty thousand, you'd get you'd get fifty thousand from across the country, from across the whole spectrum. And I think you'd still find sixty-five, seventy percent would be in favour of it.
0: You know, what? and It'll- that should. It'll only reduce the margin of error by a percentage or two, like the margin of error on a on a one thousand or two thousand um, person poll is pretty good like mm. so uh, sure it'll be better but um it's it's already a very accurate reading so but the other point in all this is um, you know asking asking me my opinion as to whether you Scott should be allowed to marry somebody i mean you, I shouldn't have a say as to, you know, whether a gay couple can get married. That's not my business. Well, it, it's not yeah, a thing. Yeah, exactly. That, I agree with you wholeheartedly. As
1: far as I'm concerned, I, I think that what we ought to do is deregulate relationships entirely and get rid of the Marriage Act. You know, I think that um, but even you know, the But and that sort of stuff.
0: But the religious um, right, even when they lose this postal vote, if it happens, and they lose the plebiscite and they lose the vote, the, the, the fact that they've actually managed to swing the debate where ordinary people are supposedly having a say in whether other ordinary people get to be married is just wrong. To, actually, mm. to actually manufacture that debate and have that happen is just wrong. So they've already yeah, achieved and, and an and evil it, end already.
1: And that is the principal reason why the Labor Party did stand against it in the Senate and that's why they have stood up and said that it's wrong, is that it, it? it is wrong to have, like you said, you know, you deciding whether or not I can get married. You know, I, I it, <laughs> gentle listener, me and my mm. partner have no intention of getting married. Mm. <laughs> you know, mm. it's, it's just one of those things. It's, It's really, it's very annoying that they have allowed themselves to be tied up in circles and they have tied themselves up in such a way, and it is all because of Tony Abbott and the right wing nutters. Mm. Mm. And the right wing religious nutters. And George Christensen and all the rest of them that would probably jump ship if they did actually go and say, Well, we're just gonna have a conscience vote on this, they can run off and join Corey Bernardi and they will lose their seats. A number of the a number of the seats would probably fall with the Labour Party, but I think you'd see the end of the Conservatives and you'd have a genuine liberal party again
0: you know mm. who loves all this uh, the sort of the finance neoliberal types because mm. while we're all arguing over gay marriage abortion law assisted dying and and our identities and all the rest of it you know they're ignoring things what they're doing things like company tax cuts just going through um uh, you know, we're spending $50 billion on submarines. It never gets mentioned. The housing and the negative gearing issues, that's all now, you know, gone off the newspapers, um, cost of university education, minimum wages. All of these things are um, sidelined while we're dealing with these issues. So if you were, you know, free marketeer, neoliberal, wanting to, uh, you know, wanting tax cuts, um, you'd love the right-wing religious nutters because they're the ultimate diversion. You know, as, a, as an army, you know, as a general of an army where you're sort of setting diversions to sort of take away the enemy's attention on things, there's nothing better than Lyle Shelton. He's the ultimate <laughs> diversion. He is, isn't he? Yeah. So anyway, a couple, yeah, of, it's, legal, it's, a couple of legal issues to legal issues So when you're standing around the water cooler and... And hopefully discussion turns to this issue. And if it doesn't, make sure it does. Because one of the things we are talking about with the patrons before, uh, John raised, was um, reluctance of people to talk about religion and politics and name things for what they are. And I mentioned, you know, the old adage that at a dinner party you shouldn't mention uh, sex politics or religion. And for my part, they're the first three topics I go for. And <laughs> dear, dear listener, you'll have a much more fun time and people actually engage and have a really good um, chew on different issues. So, so So if you are at the water cooler and... You know, okay, once discuss... You've got,
1: once you've stopped talking about sex, then you can start talking yeah. about religion
0: and politics. Yes, yeah. yeah, or, the you know, the intertwining of all of those things. I mean, sure, mention the Broncos big win over the Gold Coast, but once you've knocked that on the head, <laughs> then talk about the bloody religious nutters stopping the um, progress of our society and, you know, see what happens. Um, don't be afraid to raise a topic. But anyway... As you are standing around that water cooler and people are talking about the legalities of a voluntary postal vote, which is something not done since the Whitlam years in the 70s. Apparently it was done there. Some people have argued that because it was done there, it must be legal. And, of course, that's not how the law works because just because it was done once before doesn't mean it was legal at the time. It might Mm. have been illegal but just didn't get challenged. So what we've got is a general constitutional notion that if you are undertaking an activity, like running a postal vote campaign, you need to have legislated some money to pay for that activity. So um, you can't spend money without clear legislative support is a fundamental notion under our constitution and the way it works. So you want to do something new like this, that's never been done before, that doesn't have a regular line in the budget to pay for it, well, you need to pass a bill getting the money. Mm. Now, The exception to that, apparently, is that the finance minister can get advances of money, but that can only be uh, in circumstances where there's an urgent need for the expenditure um, which has not been uh, sufficiently provided for in the existing budget. And according to some of the early legal opinions that are coming out, this is not something that you could claim as being urgent. Um, so it's... No, it's clearly not. Yeah, seems very unlikely that the finance minister could use his um, uh, urgent need um, power to allocate money for this And the other part is there is no legislation as to how this is to operate. So if there are disputes over how it's counted, how it's scrutineered, there's no legislation dealing with it. It'll be a a legal nightmare if there is disputes over how it is conducted because there's no legislation to say how it's to be conducted. So that's another thing. And the other uh, idea that you could mention is that apparently the Bureau of Statistics is going to be charged with conducting this and uh, the powers of the um, Constitution are apparently... Sorry, of the um, Bureau of Statistics uh, is they're authorised to collect uh, facts but not necessarily opinions, so... This is not the normal function of the Bureau of Statistics, so quite possibly they can't do it anyway um, without some legislation. So, Yeah, it's... The whole
1: thing... The whole thing... It really stinks, doesn't it? The whole thing has been just designed to keep the right wing of the Liberal Party happy.
0: Mm. So what we're going to have is, I think, most likely, it will be ruled invalid to have a postal vote, and so... The Liberal government will say, well, we came into this parliament with a policy that we would run a plebiscite, which we are not able to do because Senate won't let us, and we've tried for a postal vote, which we cannot do because the court won't let us, so we're not going to do anything. And uh, please vote us in again next time. I, I don't think anything will happen this term. That'll be the upshot, and it'll be a major issue, one would have thought, in the next election that might just get Bill Shorten over the line, Scott?
1: Well, it certainly looks like it's going to get him over the line for sure. You know, um, <clears throat> that and his commitment to have the Republic referendum, the, the Republic club and that sort of stuff too. It's, um, mm. And, you know, they are making all the right noises on equal, inequality and that sort of stuff too. So, you know, you never know. Mm. Except they are planning on and this is a this is one sticking point that makes me think maybe I shouldn't work for them, is the uh, the attitude of tenure Plibersek to the Catholic schools.
0: <laughs> oh, this is the thing. Oh, yeah, it is. Hey, just remind people um about uh Penny Wong and the amendment to the Marriage Act because I was telling my daughter about this uh at dinner and she wasn't aware of that. So new okay.
1: listeners. Uh, this, this is the the amendment that John Howard passed in 2004 because what it was designed to do was to stop people going abroad getting married and coming back home and having their marriages recognized under Australian law. so what they did was they propped up they propped in a small insert into the marriage act and said that it was the marriage of a man and a woman.
0: Because prior to that, it just man. said two persons, it was basically a marriage like, between yeah. persons. Yeah. And so they mm. made it then a man and a woman. But, yep, go on. Exactly.
1: And uh, Penny Wong dutifully voted for that. Why? I don't know.
0: Because <laughs> it must have been Labor policy and she just fell into line with Labor policy.
1: Exactly. Now She was a fairly junior senator and that sort of stuff at the time. But, you know... One would have thought that uh, anyone with half a brain would have stood up and said, no, this is wrong and I'll die in the ditch for it. And had she have actually fought against it, they could have said to her, okay, you can abstain yourself or something like that, or, you know, you can cross the floor and vote for it and vote against it and that sort of thing. But, no, she didn't,
0: yeah. Scott, that's your homework for next week. Why was the Labor Party actually at that time in, you know, why did they agree to that? I, I be, there must be some reason for it. it. Just, it doesn't make sense. But anyway, dear listener, when you see Penny Wong on television now um, uh, bemoaning the state of play and all the rest of it, just remember that uh, back then in the Howard years, she actually voted to change the Marriage Act um, from two persons to make it clear it had to be a man and a woman. So, very interesting.
1: Yeah, it, it's uh, it, uh, really, um, I haven't seen the speech that she gave on Tuesday afternoon, um, or was it today, that the Senate knocked the, uh, the plebiscite bill back. But um, she apparently stood up and gave a harrowing speech saying that she loves her daughters and blah, 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 blah. Mm. But it calls into question the whole thing about the whole The speech, it calls into question the meaning behind the speech and that sort of stuff when you remember what her voting record was. You Mm -hmm. know, she voted for it. And uh, I don't think she's ever actually been called out on it publicly. She was called out on it in a newspaper article, but that was about it, Mm. you know. Mm. But no one's ever sat her down like when she's appeared on Q&A and she's been up there standing up there saying marriage equality is essential. No one's ever said to her, "Uh, Penny, didn't you vote for it? didn 't you vote for the discrimination to be written into the act in two
0: thousand
1: mm, mm. and four and I really think that um, the next time she 's on q and a and she 's banging on about it, I think someone should actually actually say to her uh, didn 't you vote didn 't you vote for the discrimination to be written into the act in two
0: thousand and four hey you know? when all this was um, blowing up um, back on the third of August and um, I got an article here. Um, where Peter Dutton was worried about one of these right-wing nutters uh, crossing the floor, Uh, the Immigration (coughs) Minister called on Andrew Broad, who was the guy threatening to cross the floor, called on him to weigh up his important part in the coalition after reports that the National Party MP was considering resigning from the party to sit on the crossbenches if the government broke its promise to hold a plebiscite on marriage equality. Because... uh so, uh so that's Andrew Broad. I'd never heard of Andrew Broad, um, Scott, until then.
1: No, uh, a hey, vibe, but it just gives you an idea of just how finely tuned the numbers are, that, you know, they've got to worry about one nutter.
0: Well, and, you know, sure, he might vote against them on this issue, but he'll vote for them on all the others. Anyway. Exactly, yeah. Dear listener, quick Google, you know. Something in me just made me think, gee, I wonder if this Andrew Broad has got any sort of, (laughs) any connections to religious groups, perhaps? Could that be his motivation by any strange coincidence? Quick Google search and and he appears, um, uh, he won in 2016 a Christian Values Award. Um, the Christian Values Institute believes that Australian values are Christian values. These are the values that made Australia great. The vision of the Australian Christian Values Institute is to reaffirm... You can just
1: imagine, you can just imagine them standing in front of a couple of Australian flags saying that,
0: can't you? I <laughs> can, Unfortunately. Uh, the value, the vision of the Australian Christian Values Institute is to reaffirm Australia's commitment to Judeo-Christian values as the cornerstone of our nation's prosperity for the common good. Oh, this- God, I hate crap like that. It really <laughs> gives me the irrits. Uh, one, you more know, st- when one, they- one more, hang on. Sorry. The Australian Christian Values Institute, along with other pro-family groups, has given Christian Values Awards to parliamentarians in federal parliament since 2004. And there's a link, dear listener, to the winners of the award since that time. And our friend Andrew Broad, who's ready to cross the floor, member for Mallee, Victoria, was the two, one of the 2016 recipients.
1: This is a good list, Scott. Congratulations, Mr. Broad. Yeah, well done. <laughs>
0: Just looking down the list, too many injuries for God's sake. You know, Uh, no two thousand fifteen George Christensen, two thousand thirteen Corey Bernardi, Um, Bob Catter two thousand and ten, Erica Betts in two thousand eight. Some familiar names there. Kevin Rudd two thousand and four, and Peter Costello and Brian Harradine. Scott, this is a useful. Uh, this just gives us a quick summary of a few um, religious nutters.
1: Exactly. You know, it's, uh, you know, they they don't give you the party affiliations next to them, but um, it does make you wonder, you know, Mm. where they they actually sit. But most of them would be from the Liberal national side, I would imagine.
0: Mm. So, um Scott. Well George you know, Christensen is, yeah. Yeah. I am proposing a religious affiliation register and I'm getting more yeah, and more keen on it. still opposed this. to <laughs> Well what, would, what 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 you're opposed to an, Here's my <laughs> let, hear me out. Hear me yeah, out. Scott. Okay. So I would I would suggest that we could rank our federal politicians and eventually state politicians from a scale of uh, zero to ten. Um, for example, and so ten uh, being they
1: sleep with the Bible 10, 10 and zero being, saying that
0: 10, they don't know anything about it. Ted being a Fred Nile sort of character, yeah. So yeah, okay. You
1: know,
0: who's a zero? It's hard to come up with an immediate example of a zero, isn't it? This is the problem. We don't have more an inch. Okay is he a is he a definite sort of anti-religious?
1: Um, oh, I don't think he's anti-religious, but right. he's um, he's right. certainly very, very secular. secular. Okay. Yeah.
0: So I don't think we've got anyone on the zero scale at the moment because they'd have to be an actively loudmouth about, uh, about their opposition to um, the Christian takeover of our politics. Anyway, you know, things like this, like if you, uh, you know, we could have all sorts of different little um, point scoring things. So... For example, if you vote against marriage equality, that could be worth a few points. Uh, If you're on the Christian Values Awards list, that could be worth a few points. (laughs) And it would be handy for people to go, oh, gee, I wonder, my local member, I wonder where they fit on the the IFVG index, Iron Fist Velvet Glove index, Scott. (laughs) Or is it just going to be an... IF index because you don't want your name associated no, you can, with you the... No, you
1: can put my name against it. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, <laughs> okay.
0: And I think it would be handy to have, you know, little links to, you know, articles and stuff that, that refers to their religiosity. Um, so anyway, I'm hoping, Scott, to have a little extra page on the website which would be kind of like a wiki page or or a Reddit page sort of thing where people could go on and, um, and, and just add to it because, um, yeah, anybody who's interested. And I've got Sean giving me some ideas as to what plugin I need for the WordPress site to do that. So stay tuned, dear listener, and if you're keen to help out on that one, let me know. Right. Um,
1: and you two can line up with your own religious bigotry. So.
0: <laughs> no, no. An objective judgment <laughs> of, of their religiosity. What, what, what. I, could just think that
1: you, I just so, think you're just, you're just earmarking people. So I just uh, somebody could I have a problem with
0: that. Like if I said to them, oh, well, you rate a seven on the IFEG index, and if they could write say, well, I don't know why you say that because... Um, you know, and we would look at it objectively and say, okay, either you've got good reasons or not, but what's wrong with saying to people how... It is such a deciding mark as to whether people think certain ways on these issues that it's worth knowing.
1: Yeah, I don't think it is a... Okay, it shouldn't be a deciding factor for people. However... It certainly does seem to affect their influence. Okay. Would, would, it certainly does seem to influence the way they vote.
0: Would, yeah. would you want to know if somebody was a, um, uh, a Marxist, a communist, a, uh, um, you know, from the Friedman Chicago School of Economic Neoliberalism, you know, or were they, uh, uh, you know, would their political um, uh, sort of economic thoughts be legitimate to know would that be okay to rank people
1: yeah because that's yeah that that, that's fine because Because, that's something you grow up with and you you uh
0: could i say okay it's it's ideological content isn't it
1: (laughs) it is ideological
0: content yeah and i i put it to you velvet glove (laughs) that their their religious leanings are also ideological content these are not things like your skin color, your gender, your sexual preference that are foisted on you, that, you well, that that are just inbuilt that you can't change. These these are things that you have decided. So it's extremely legitimate to say what is somebody's opinions on issues, what <laughs> Meant to convince you still? Yeah. No, it sounds like you're. I, I, can
1: under, I can understand where you're coming
0: from. I'm just uncomfortable with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if I told you this one, Scott. Tim mm. Wilson. Did I mention the Tim Wilson one to, to you? Uh,
1: I think you did, but I think it was arrived tonight. So yeah,
0: might have been might have been a bit late. But dear listener, so uh, we've mentioned before Tim Wilson, and he was. Uh, Now, which commission was he in charge of at one point? He had a a religious roundtable organised and... um,
1: Oh, he was from the... um, Yeah, you did mention it to me, yes,
0: the New uh, Matilda article. Yeah, and um, so anyway, with this um, marriage equality debate coming up, he is a Member of Parliament, former... What was the commission? Was it Equal Opportunity? One of those sorts of... I think it was Equal Opportunities, wasn't it? Yes. I can't. It doesn't sound quite right. But uh, he's Mm. openly gay as well, and he was um, brought on to be interviewed by Sky journalist Peter Van Onselen. Uh, Mm. And so he's there in a video hookup. And, uh, dear listener, here is how the interview went. (laughs) Tim Wilson. He joins us now live from Melbourne. Thanks very much for your company. Do you like the idea of a secret ballot in the party room? Thanks Peter. I've said everything I have to say on this issue and I make no plans to make any other comment. Uh, at this time I'd rather talk about something else that actually matters to the Australian population. The economy, energy prices, what's going on with Labor's tax slug. You pick it. I'm happy to talk about it. I've said what I've said on this issue. Tim Wilson, thanks for your company. That's alright. Pleasure. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant when he said he wouldn't talk I mean, about he, the topic this guy said exactly. see you later wouldn't
1: you, yeah wouldn't you think that you would um you'd ask the journalist what you what you were planning on canvassing you know before you actually uh, agreed to be on the program and if you would had no plans of saying anything about it you'd think that you would have asked the journalist beforehand what are you planning on asking me and if he'd said, oh, yeah, we're going to ask you about marriage equality, you'd think, yeah, well, I'm not going to be bothering with that. Uh, well,
0: you know, he probably thought that's... like any, you know, number of other times where a politician is, you know, there for one reason but decides to just skirt around it and to talk about other stuff, he probably thought he could get away with it this time. Oh, well, apparently he thought about it but he didn't get away with it, did he? Yeah. So, um, so I think that's great. I think I think that's just brilliant. Um don't want to talk about it? The topic I've got for you. Great. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> ah. I did like
1: how he answered it. What he said, you know, that's a right. Uh, that's a right pleasure, you know. Yeah, so pleasure. You think yeah. You know, I'm, I'm imagining it wasn't a much of a pleasure for him, but anyway.
0: Mm. Mm. Scott, even when. uh Postal vote fails, plebiscite doesn't happen, new election, Labor gets in um, and proposes new legislation. The, The religious right is going to complain about the lack of protection in the legislation for freedom of religion. And I've got a link here to an article from a blogger, uh, Neil Foster, who has a blog called Law and Religion Australia. And uh, it's quite technical, a lot of his stuff, and lots of references to case law, et cetera, et cetera. But the draft bill, you know this private members bill that these guys were supposedly putting forward um, yeah. prompted all this? I've tried, Scott... This, this- you would think in this day and age with the internet that you could just look at a copy of it, wouldn't you?
1: Something well, you would hope
0: so, yeah. So, you know, can't get one. You just cannot look at the actual legisla- um, proposed legislation. All you could see is what people have said about it, but you can't actually look at the source document. So that's really frustrating. Even the particular guy who was going to move it, on his own Facebook page there's no link to, you know, here's the text of the bill. So... We can only go by what uh, people have talked about it. But anyway, the particular bill um, uh, was going to have stuff in there to say that religious celebrants would not be required to solemnise gay marriages. It was also going to say that other celebrants who are not even part of a religious group... um, uh, oh, actually, maybe it wasn't saying that. Um, yeah, it, it was saying that religious celebrants would be would not be required, but it was silent as to other celebrants. And I thought
1: there were um, there was an exemption for celebrants generally that um, had a religious objection.
0: Yeah, actually, now I'm getting confused because I'm reading this thing. Um, Uh, I think it did actually say with other celebrants... This is the problem. I couldn't look at the source document. But, uh, okay, I'm going to go with my original thoughts were that other celebrants could deny a gay marriage if they just felt religiously about it. And, um, And also this draft bill was saying that religious... Premises would not be required to host same-sex weddings if they didn't want to. So it had three basic protections. You know, religious celebrants, don't want to do it, don't have to. Uh, Civil ones, don't want to, don't have to. You know, religious church, don't want to have a gay wedding, don't have to. You would think that would be enough, but a whole host of religious groups were saying, oh, that's not going to be enough, that's not enough protection. Um... What about public servants who are employed in registry offices who want to exercise their religious freedom to decline to solemnise such marriages? So this this guy writing this article was saying that the proposed bill was not good enough because it was not going to allow public servants to refuse to uh, you know, employ in registry offices.
1: Richard, um- that's coming back to that Nutter in America. I forget what her name was. Yeah, I, I think as well. Um, she spent a week in prison for um, refusing to sign yes. uh, gay marriage
0: certificates. Yes. Yeah. And he also says in here there was also no protection for small business owners who are um, who in the wedding industries, such as cake makers, florists, photographers, stationery designers, etc. Um, I mean, being to permitted is, to decline their services.
1: I mean, all the, all the forest and photographers got to do is, I'm um, sorry, I've already got a wedding on that day. I can't do it. You know?
0: <laughs> well, this is the sort of other argument that we haven't even come to yet, Scott, in the mainstream. But that's what's coming as well, is, is after all these hurdles are crossed, it will then be things like, well, you need the ability for cake makers to discriminate against a gay wedding cake. Mm. So, um, so that's all to look forward to, dear listener, in this debate. We haven't even got to that part yet.
1: Well, <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is a frightening look at the
0: future though, isn't it? Mm. Some good news, Scott. Queensland mm. Labor had their conference. And they voted yes. to support the introduction of, uh, you know, assisted dying legislation. So um, uh, basically...
1: The set themselves up very differently from the opposition, weren't it?
0: Hmm. So uh, apparently the resolution read that Labor will introduce legislation for voluntary assisted dying for adults who are terminally ill following the model of the dying with dignity slash Oregon model and the voluntary assisted dying legislation in Victoria Uh, so that was put forward by the left faction Um, and of course even within the Labor Party uh, there is a right wing nutter Faction. Out yeah, of this I time. couldn't
1: believe that. That was a union, wasn't it? That yeah. was saying
0: that it was going to be an electoral millstone around their neck. Justin Power, Assistant Secretary of the SDA Union. Is that the Shopkeepers, something or other? I think
1: it is the Shopkeepers, yeah.
0: They've been a notorious Catholic group in the union movement. And yeah. the guy federally in charge of that, I think, has disappeared from the scene. So they're not quite as strong as they used to be. So, um, Yes, he thought that that would derail Labor's election campaign, so he spoke out against it. But apparently it was carried. <clears throat> so, but you know what? Like well, now we've got to
1: find out whether or not they're, they're actually good to their word because they, uh, you know, it's a unicameral system up here in Queensland, so they should be able to, you know, if they if they win government, they ought to be able to do whatever the hell they want to.
0: But you know what, so- Scott? They're, they're yeah. in government.
1: I know they're in government, yeah, for sure.
0: This is what shits me about this. What I was
1: was reading, though, it sort of suggested that they were going to wait until the next election.
0: That's exactly right. That's what they're going to do. But they're in government. Like, can you imagine the Labor figures who were in the party during the J.B. Jelker-Peterson era, they will be just turning in their graves to think that they're actually in power and just... Can't be bothered doing stuff. Oh, we'll leave that to the next election because uh,
1: exactly yeah, we didn't put that that's... to the
0: people last time. So you know, pathetic. pathetic. It is really pathetic, isn't it? Ah, mm. mm. uh, oh, Catholic News article <laughs> basically just describing how many people are lining up against assisted dying laws in Victoria and how, um. A few weeks ago, for instance, the Australian Christian Lobby State President Dan Flynn, this is in Victoria, brought in three doctors to see Upper House Leader Gavin Jennings, the Premier's right-hand man in Cabinet, to argue the need for better palliative care. See, this is an example of the lobbying that is done by those groups and how we need our own lobbyists, and there's just a list of organisations and groups who are lining up against the assisted dying legislation, all of them, Christian, Yeah, and
1: this is the the thing I find really annoying about this, is that um, they're saying that it's it's a failure of palliative care. Now, I saw an interview, and I can't remember where it was, but it was an interview three, four weeks ago with a palliative care doctor who said that this is not a that you do instead of palliative care, it is something that happens as a result of palliative care. You know, Um, the assisted dying regime that's being introduced in Victoria has got nothing to do with palliative care. It's got everything to do with a legally sane individual who has got less than 12 months to live deciding the time that they will
0: exit this world. Mm.
1: That's all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a Facebook meme that I saw that I posted on Facebook. It said, assisted dying doesn't result in more people dying. It, suffer- it results in less people suffering.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is exactly all it is, you know. And to bombard um, with pro forma emails and letters from scripted by church volunteers, only by national anti-euthanasia agencies using them to vote against the bill when introduced in Spring Street later this month. I find that sort of thing unconscionable, that they would go in there and argue against a patient's right to die. It really is offensive.
0: Mm. I went to a lecture with Deep Throat about this and it was a Canadian expert who came and spoke about what happened over there and... You know, they had a charter of rights, like a bill of rights, which sort of enabled it all to happen. But basically in the discussion said, she said that, look, there were a few people in the medical, who who were in the non-religious fraternity who had some misgivings about it, but after being shown the evidence of Oregon and Belgium and other jurisdictions, they all came round and the only ones left who objected, were the religious groups that was their experience in Canada, mm. and uh, mm. and sure enough, in that lecture during the Q and A, I think it was David Van Gend, Uh If it wasn't him, it was someone similar to him. Got one up of his right hand men and just totally dominated the Q and A and and uh, came out with all sorts of nonsense. But anyway, I I'll digress. So, mm. um, abortion clinic exclusion zones. They have them in Melbourne and. A Melbourne mother of a Melbourne mother of thirteen. I hadn't read that before. Has argued in court that a Victorian law banning protesters within 150 metres of abortion clinics is discrimination. She says she's being discriminated against. This Melbourne mother of thirteen. How does she have time to to hang around an abortion clinic to protest? Exactly. It's (laughs) thirteen.
1: She's got 13 children to look after. Um, maybe they're all adults. I don't know. But it's, um, it's something about a... Uh, oh, I've lost it, lost it, lost it. It's okay. I the read bat- it earlier today. It's said something about it was, a, it was a violation of her rights to protest or something like uh,
0: that. The, 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 the uh, barrister said that the legislation is invalid because it impinges the implied freedom of political expression. And he said that the law is being used against people with pro-life beliefs and not those on the other side of the debate. We say it's discriminatory in its application because it applies to just one side of this issue. And the magistrate said, well, while it appears that the law was designed that way by Parliament, um, I accept it's designed to prohibit people who are pro-life protesters from the zone, she said. But... It does not mean people who are pro-choice can approach those in the exclusion zone either, she said. Uh, Quote, it would be wrong for me to approach and, for example, say, what a great job you're doing. What a great idea having an abortion, Magistrate Bazani said. So she said it actually stops both sides of the debate, Uh, those pro and those against, and so it's not discriminatory. So the mother of 13, I think, uh, lost that round.
1: Yeah, and I find it ridiculous that she's bothered to actually go down that road. I mean, like you said, when does she have any time? But um, all jokes aside, what she wants to do is actually put a guilt trip on a woman who's in a very vulnerable position anyway, who's going in to have a termination. And um, it's really, it beggars belief that they're going to do that anyway.
0: Mm, it's such an import, importation of American practice. That's that really gets me with that sort of stuff, straight out of oh, the yeah, American sure. playbook. Yeah. yeah. Now, we just mentioned before the uh, Labor Party conference in Queensland, and we're now going to turn to the back to the LNP conference, and I'm, I'm just going to play a little clip from that conference. Um... I don't care if it rains or freezes long as I... Sorry, that, that, that's my mistake again. That was, that was the lunchtime entertainment when everybody <laughs> sat on the porch and got their penknives out and started whittling and chewing tobacco and a bit of banjo, you know. Sorry about that. It happens every time at that l conference. i conference. <laughs> my apologies. Um, but, um, but, dear listener, what did happen was Toowoomba Senator Barry O'Sullivan introduced Resolution 26 which states that an LNP government must support women and their partners considering abortions after 18 weeks gestation and ensure legislation is enforced requiring women to be informed of choices when terminating a pregnancy. Um... O'Sullivan, who is a federal politician, set his resolution, which passed, which was passed. Did you get that dear listener? this was passed, encouraged a warm and supportive environment of pastoral care for pregnant women. you <sighs> friggin asshole like yeah. <laughs> just be honest like like the 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 double speak in this is so dishonest. Like they're just making it harder for women to get abortions. They're going to make them jump through hoops, make them sign documents that they they're know going to what make they're them have doing. Have
1: sonograms, all
0: that sort of nonsense. Exactly, yeah. it's one step along to the Texas sort of playbook that has been described previously. And this is the Lyle Shelton speak that comes out of this when they say things like uh, Resolution Twenty Six. Uh, which states that an LNP government must support women and their partners considering abortions. That's not support, you... you (laughs) ..encourage a warm, supportive environment of pastoral care. Ah. This same guy had um, bankrolled buses to move anti-abortion protesters from his electorate in Toowoomba to Brisbane to rally against... Um, that uh, bill that was sort of ill-conceived by the backbencher in Queensland. Anyway, there's another name for that. See, Scott, on the list, on the <laughs> IFVG Religious Affiliation Index, he's he's working, he's, he's a nine at this stage. <laughs> Seriously, you pass a motion like that at an LNP conference, that's worthwhile knowing.
1: Well, yeah, that is worthwhile knowing for sure, but that is something that's on the public record and all that sort of stuff it has got nothing to do with his religion, you would hope But it may well it probably does have something to do with his religious beliefs. Yeah. How much do you want to bet? You can guarantee, you can guarantee that he, you can guarantee that if you go and search him and that sort of stuff, you're going to find out he's affiliated with some clap happy church. He's from Toowoomba, so he's probably out there with the Church of Christ or something like that. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes. Um, Australian Christian Lobby's Director for Queensland, Wendy Francis, uh, told BuzzFeed, uh, she thought it was great when political parties embraced the sanctity of human life. <laughs> I will give her
1: her due, though. When me and Deep Throat went to a uh, book launch that David Van Gen was um, launching his book in defence of children, that sort of stuff, saying no to marriage equality, she did actually come up to us and say thank you, thanked us both for attending. But uh, that's where the pleasantries ended. So. <laughs> yeah, she,
0: she she's not yet very pleasant, she? Yes. Some some people can, some people, I'm not necessarily saying Wendy, whatever, Wendy Francis, some people can smile as they stab you in the front. Other people, (laughs) other people stab you in the back. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're just getting stabbed, it doesn't really matter, does it?
1: (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Um,
0: Scott, uh, scripture classes, there's been a lot of uh, talk about them in the last few weeks. (laughs) And um, there was a panel show uh, which had Bronwyn Bishop on it, and uh, this guy was um, kicked off the panel, basically saying, "Yeah, scripture classes. What's the problem? Doesn't hurt anybody. Part of our Judeo-Christian beliefs, you know, customs, tradition. Why? Why are these people?" up in arms about scriptures. What is their issue with scripture? And uh, so here's, here's what they... I'll just play a little clip of this. Uh, the majority Christian scripture classes, if it's a, 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 a Jewish population, Hindu, Islamic, whatever, they have a scripture class as well. And for those of us that don't believe, then you get to go to library and study. You don't go and play touch footy. Yeah. It's a pretty simple system here. Oh, but what is it about, you know, the teachers' unions, the left here that want to That's... yank out... This thing that is thoroughly optional and thoroughly reflects simple, simple. They want to make compulsory their godless religion of climate change. <laughs> 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 oh, good God! Oh. Bronwyn Bishop, their god—they want yeah. to, the godless religion of climate change—is her explanation for the objection to scripture that is the caliber of leadership that we get in this country at the moment
1: yeah i mean you hear that and that sort of stuff and then it makes it it pulls into uh perspective her decision at the time to spend five grand on a helicopter flight doesn't it you know because you think yourself yes she's an idiot i mean she's clearly a moron that she actually says something like that isn't she
0: that was back in the early days, dear listener. I think that was around episode five or six or something like that, Scott, where we, we had helicopter <laughs> sound effects going and you stole the podcast yeah. helicopter. And for, for <laughs> personal, well, you didn't steal it, but you are using it for personal use and I was quite angry with you. It's a, it's a good thing we got rid of that helicopter. It was just causing yeah. too much problem. <laughs> it was causing far too much grief, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. So if you want to hear our discussion about that, dear listener, um Head to a very early episode, around three, four or five, somewhere there where the the podcast helicopter and Bronwyn Bishop was discussed. But that was no more ridiculous than what she's just said there. So, hmm. Scott, um, I was speaking to Squeaky Wheel last week about quotas and affirmative action and the danger of them. Uh, And... um, And then came across several articles almost immediately afterwards that were kind of proving my point. Mm. And the first one here... um, Listen to this one, dear listener, in America. Uh, By most standards, Austin Gia holds an enviable position, a rising sophomore at Duke. Mr Gia attends one of the top universities in the country, setting him up for success. But with his high GPA nearly perfect SAT score and activities. Uh, He was on the debate team. He's the tennis captain. He's on the state orchestra. Mr Gia believes he should have had a fair shot at either Harvard, Princeton, Columbia or the University of Pennsylvania. But those Ivy League colleges rejected him after he applied in the fall of 2015. It was particularly disturbing, Mr Gia said, when classmates with lower scores than his, but who were not Asian American like him, were admitted to those Ivy League institutions. So you're thinking, dear listener, what's going on? Super qualified Asian student not getting in, is are they some sort of racist groups, these Ivy League colleges? Uh Students like Mr Gia are now the subject of a lawsuit accusing Harvard of discriminating against Asian Americans in admissions by imposing a penalty for their high achievement and giving preferences to other racial minorities. Um, The issue is whether there has been discrimination against Asian Americans in the name of creating a diverse student body. Uh, The Harvard case asserts that the university's admission process amounts to an illegal quota system in which roughly the same percentage of African-Americans, Hispanics, whites and Asian-Americans have been admitted year after year despite fluctuations in application rates and qualifications. Uh, It falls afoul of the most basic civil rights principles and those principles are that your race and ethnicity should not be something to be used to harm you in life nor help you in life said one of the ones suing. Um, So what we've got here, dear listener, is that too many Asian Americans with great qualifications are applying for these Ivy League colleges and in order for their quotas or their student enrolments to match more closely the demographics of the population, they're actually saying, Well, we can't have so many Asian Americans. You know, you'll have to you'll have to be extra special to get in because we need to make more room for Hispanics and whites and blacks at your expense. This, Scott, is the danger of quotas that people exactly. refuse to see when they set them up. It'll work both ways.
1: Yeah, and this is, a, um, this is a classic example of where it goes horribly wrong. You know, you've got a kid there that's got excellent results and all that sort of stuff, and he says that he's just not good enough. To, to... You're going to end up having the whole situation that you're going to be just competing against other members of your own ethnic background.
0: Mm.
1: So you're not going to be competing against everyone. You've got to be, if you're Chinese or Asian or something like that, you've got to be the best of the best because you've got to be able to compete. You've got to beat everyone else that's in that same ethnic background. And, you know, you're going to have African-Americans that will be competing against African-Americans and whites are competing against whites. It's really, It really is wrong that um, affirmative action was started to redress the um, imbalance that was there but it's gone way the other way now. It's gone to that point where you've got Asian Americans not getting the positions they deserve because you'd end up with too many Asian kids there, which mm. is really ridiculous.
0: Mm. So that's the danger of a quota system: is that it can come back and bite you if you you know. And it's all very well when it's discriminating against the white majority, but. Suddenly when when it discriminates against the minority who's traditionally oppressed, you go, well, actually, that's not very fair. This is a problem. Yeah.
1: That's that's one of the reasons that, you know, I think that affirmative action's had its day Mm. is that it was useful and that sort of stuff at the time to try and overcome the inequity, but the inequity has been overcome now. Will largely overcome, so I think that they should now do away with it.
0: Mm. Um, mm. I think I gave in the example actually with Squeaky Wheel about Jews and saying, well, uh, you know, classic overachievers in terms of Nobel Peace Prize, and I suspect perhaps in the medical profession and the specialties they might well be overrepresented according to their overrepresented according to their you know, what demographics population-wise. And the same would apply to, uh, I said, sort of Indians and Pakistanis who just traditionally really prize medical qualifications as, as a cultural thing and you mm. tend to find that there would be more um, of them in the medical world than you'd expect if you were just looking purely at the population numbers, Um so does that mean that you... And I said, does that mean, well, you have to reduce them then to match the... Demo, you know, should you be encouraging uh, policies that discriminate against Jews and against um, uh, Indians, Indians and Pakistanis, Pakistanis in the medical profession? And uh, in this article, one of the things it refers to, it says, the Harvard lawsuit likens attitudes towards Asian Americans to attitudes towards Jews at Harvard beginning around 1920 when Jews were a high-achieving minority. In 1918, Jews reached 20% of the Harvard freshman class and the university soon proposed a quota to lower the number of Jewish students. Um, That history, Mr Dershowitz said, made affirmative action opponents wary of admissions policies that resulted in a college population reflecting a group's share of the general population. There you go. That is the danger of the system. Almost contemporaneously with that, story of a Google engineer who wrote a 10-page manifesto against Google's diversity drive. Um, the male author wrote that women don't make up 50% of the company's tech and leadership positions, not because of sexism, but because of differences in their preferences and abilities. Um, the overall tone of his essay was calm, uh, he acknowledged that there is bias that holds women back in tech and leadership. He doesn't suggest that women aren't capable of doing technical work, but rather that the differences between men and women should be acknowledged. He states that women tend to be more interested in people rather than things, that is, empathising versus systemizing. whereas men have a higher drive for status so tend to end up in leadership positions. And Scott, he's been sacked for that, out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. Just for writing an opinion first. Uh He wrote an essay, an internal memo that, um, that got published, and uh, he's been sacked. Yeah, so he's now fighting that in the courts. So he should be able to comment on things like that without being sacked. So, finally, Scott. Well, I hope he gets up. Mm. Anyway. Mm. Still on this... Uh, a Melbourne cafe has caused a social storm after charging men a tax and seating women first. Um, Yeah,
1: I read about this, yeah. 18%
0: difference or something like that, isn't it? mm, Handsome Her, a vegan cafe in Brunswick, said it was charging men 18% more in a bid to address the gender pay gap. The cafe advertises its rules on a chalkboard, explained that men will be charged the premium and the gap donated to women's services. You know, it's quite possible in any cafe oh, okay. in the city that you could find a fair number of the women and a lot you know, more than a fair number of the men in the cafe. Like it would not be hard to find a cafe in the cities like that. Just what have we to say the same to about, you know, would it okay, statistics show that again, Jews earn more money than non Jews. Mm. Should they at the front of that cafe have an eighteen percent Jewish tax? Would that be okay?
1: No, it wouldn't be, yeah.
0: <sighs> What's the little coming to, you, Scott? Scott, most see you know. The statistics show that CEOs are generally tall people compared to short mm. people. Yeah. Do we need a quota for that as well? Do we need to...?
1: Well, it, it's we probably stop? coming to that,
0: isn't it? Yeah. Oh, Scott, we've got lots here still left, but uh, we've had a good rant. Tom's got away from it a second. It? it has, yeah. and we've already had an, an hour under our belt and uh, <laughs> and some of these are, are, are more... Actually, there's a really good one. I'll get to next week, but I reckon Scott. I've done a few long episodes, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep this one down <laughs> to the hour. ER. So, uh, so dear listener, uh, thank you for um, thank you for listening. Thank you to our patrons: Ayami, Sean, Alex, wayno Jason, Grant, John, Craig, Janelle, Al, Ken, and John. Good on you! If you thank you very of,
1: much, everyone. Um, yeah.
0: If you're thinking of helping us out, uh, head on to the um, website. You can um, go onto Patreon and make a per-episode donation. If you don't like the idea of that, you can do what a few have done, which is just go onto PayPal and send us a bit of a lump sum every now and again. You could leave a voicemail message. I really like voicemail messages, and that would be good. Find a useful article or something interesting that you reckon we may not have seen, send it to us. Keen to start the IFVG Religious Affiliation Register? <laughs> then I reckon it'd be a great thing. Let us know. And oh, what else is there, Scott? That, uh, that's all the public service announcements, I think. Uh, I yeah. think that's a good thing, yeah. Mm. All right, dear You're listener. You're quite a busy young man, aren't you? Mm. So, all right, dear listener, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Thank Bye. you very
1: much. Cheers. Bye now.
0: Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, first up, tell some friends